Welcome to the St. James Parish Podcast. Enjoy sermons, lectures, and special presentations from St. James Episcopal Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. Curious about what else St. James has to offer? Visit our website, linked in the show notes, to learn more. Good morning. A text conversation that actually occurred between one of my children and me. Philip, good morning, period. Child, dad, why are you mad? (laughs) Philip, all I said was good morning, period. Child, what's wrong? You are using punctuation. Am I in trouble? (laughs) Philip, I'm fine, period. I just wanted to say hello, exclamation point. Child, I'm calling mom. (laughs) This was not Lucy West, by the way. (laughs) The problem with text messages is real, people, because with texting, you have to communicate with few words, and you have to understand and remember the context, the audience, and the tone. The context, the audience, and the tone. And it's really easy to miss or even lose track of any one of those things, certainly with this. But really, anytime you are encountering the written word, even scripture. So today, Jesus says in the written word, get behind me, Satan. And I've been pondering as I look at those words on paper this week, when Jesus said them, his context, his audience, and his tone. For context, we might all remember that here in the Gospel of Mark, Peter has just answered that million-dollar question from Jesus, who do you say that I am? You are the Messiah, Peter said correctly. Jesus instructs them to tell no one. And then in the very same conversation, which is our Gospel today, Jesus begins to describe what's going to happen next as he continues his mission, his ministry, his father's earthly plan. Simply put, that he will undergo great suffering and he will be killed. God forbid it, Lord, says an honest Peter. This must never happen to you. Here is where Jesus of Nazareth, fully human, fully divine, utters these famous four words. Get behind me, Satan. So we know the context, but did you notice the audience? Scripture says, but turning and looking at his disciples. It seems that all of the disciples, not just Peter, were his audience. Truth be told, I kind of figure that anytime Jesus is speaking to, teaching, or even rebuking his disciples, he's probably talking to you and me as well. So then with context and with audience, what was his tone? And I wonder... Did Jesus speak with a a frustrated sigh, like a burned-out geometry teacher trying one more time to explain the Pythagorean theorem? (sighs) Get behind me, Satan. Or, Or did he speak dismissively, with no real emotion at all, like he might have done with that unclean spirit a few weeks ago? Get behind me, Satan. Or did Jesus speak with a commanding, loud, and confrontive tone? Get behind me, Satan. It's hard to tell. However, no matter how Jesus said this iconic sentence, 
I don't think he was fully addressing his command to Peter at all. Yes, he was responding to Peter's anxiety. Yes, Scripture says he was even rebuking Peter, but I'm not sure Jesus was calling Peter Satan. Maybe the disciples weren't the only audience either. Maybe in this this signature moment, Jesus was speaking in the presence of his disciples directly to Satan, seeing past the conversation he's having with his disciples to confront once again that insidious force of evil that is very real and the subtle temptation which seeks only to distract us, to detach us from the best of who God calls us to be. Thinking that way, this is really the same conversation that Jesus had with Satan back in the wilderness recently in the Gospel of Mark for those 40 days and 40 nights. Do you remember that Satan offered Jesus wealth, popularity, prestige, power? You know, those things to which folks like you and me are drawn. Because we're human, as Jesus says today, these are human things. That was his next sentence, after all. Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. I kind of think those words were pointed back at Peter and his disciples and me and you. And I say this because audience and context and tone get really important again right here. Because what happens next is that Jesus calls out the crowd to gather together and the disciples, and he says... If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, obviously, you and I are a much different audience with a much different context than that crowd, than those disciples. We know what happens next. We know about the cross. We know about the tomb. Most importantly, we know about the resurrection. We get Jesus' mission, his ministry, his father's earthly plan. But on that day, 2,000 years ago, those folks gathered around Jesus in early first century Roman-occupied Palestine must have heard Jesus differently. Remember, Jesus was open with his disciples about his impending death, and they clearly freaked out with that information. And then he addresses the whole crowd and tells them that if they want to follow, then they have to take up their cross. And I'm sure, I'm really sure that when Jesus says this out loud, a long time before he dies, those words would have hit hard, even confused the ears of his listeners. Take up our cross? What cross? Do you mean the the cross of crucifixion, that instrument of death used by our occupiers? What is he talking about? Later, they would understand. Beautifully. That is our Christian context. But it doesn't mean that we're off the hook. Because following Jesus, as it did then, as it does now, still means bearing a cross. It means putting aside our own self-interests, our own personal gain, even our own self-survival. Putting those things aside for the needs of others, those others who I'm pretty sure Jesus would call our neighbor. So I guess it turns out that the first act of following Christ is to totally reorder our priorities and our principles to the way of Christ's kingdom, from earthly to divine. 
So let's remember then our own context, our own audience, and even consider our tone when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I suspect Jesus' first audience never really got it that day because what he said would have made no sense to them in the moment. So amazingly, Jesus will follow up. He'll follow up as a model, and soon on the Friday that we call good, Jesus will show them and you and I, the entire world, the greatest example of love the world has ever known. A love which now, and wonderfully, as Paul says today, is reckoned to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses, and was raised for our justification. Thanks be to God, period. (laughs) Amen.